I'm Sean Sheehan. And I'm Rodney Robinson. And this is the Teacher's Caucus Podcast. Welcome. This meeting of the Teacher's Caucus is now in session. As always, I'm Rodney Robinson, the 2019 National Teacher of the Year. And with me as co-host is Sean Sheehan, the 2016 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year. How you doing, Sean? I'm good. I'm good. What's up, listeners? What's up, Rodney? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm better than good. I'm excited because our guest tonight is someone I truly call a friend. Someone when I was National Teacher of the Year who I could call on to give me advice or someone who I need to call on because I needed to calm, didn't be calmed or talked down from one of the many frustrating things that happened. But our guest tonight is the 2019 Nebraska Teacher of the Year, Sydney Jensen. Say what's up, Sid. Hey, everybody. Hey, Sydney, and I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Now, to get the particulars out of the way, let me read the bio for those who don't know Sydney. Uh, Sydney Jensen, a Georgia native, is a ninth grade te- English teacher at Lincoln High School in Lincoln, Nebraska. Go Lynx! Also serving, also serving as an instructional coordinator, working with new and veteran teachers to provide instructional support and mentorship. Outside of that, she is an adjunct professor at Doan University, where she teaches a course on being trauma-informed and trauma-responsive. In recognition of her work in the classroom and the school community, Jensen is the 2019 Nebraska Teacher of the Year. She is a passionate advocate for increased mental and emotional wellness support for both students and teachers who serve them. When she is not teaching, she is advocating to policy leaders about the importance of supporting teacher wellness. Her TED Talk, and let me tell you, I was in the, I was lucky enough to be in the audience when she filmed her TED Talk, and so I was blown away by the talk, and I was like, this is going to blow up. And her talk was on the impact of secondary traumatic stress on the teaching profession, and to date has over 2.6 million views. Let me say that again, 2.6 million views. I've given two TED Talks, and I don't even think I'm at 50,000 views. (laughs) And she's at 2.6 million views to date. And that's mainly because her talk just resonates with so many teachers, so many, not even just teachers, just professionals in general. And like I said, when I was in the audience, I was blown away. I was just mesmerized throughout her talk. And so we are happy to recognize Miss Sydney Jensen. Sydney, please tell us how are things right now in the state of Nebraska? Things are tough, and I think they're tough everywhere. Um, you know, that TED Talk I gave pre pandemic, <laughs> um, pretty shortly pre pandemic. I think that was October of 2019, and early 2020 is when we started first hearing about the coronavirus and and now we never stop hearing about it and the impact that it's had um, on teachers and on day-to-day life in general. And so sometimes I think about how different that talk would have been if I had given it even six months later um, because so much about the work that we do as educators and the expectations that we have now and you know, just like the the extra demands that we have as a result of the pandemic has made teaching even more 
stressful and the trauma that our students are experiencing as a result of the pandemic is so widespread that that all of that stuff that I was talking about in the, in the TED Talk, you know, I already felt like it resonated with so many teachers, not just across Nebraska or the United States, but across the world. Um, and now I think that that is like tenfold. Yeah, so give oh, us... That's amazing. I mean, give us the, for, for folks who haven't checked out the TED Talk, absolutely go look it up. Um, but give us maybe the, your top, like, two or three points that you made in that video. And then my question to you is, has any of that changed or shifted as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, so sort of the gist of the TED Talk is that teaching is downright hard. <laughs> and often we talk about the the things that are hard that are, like, on the real, like, professional side of it, like you know, grading and lesson planning is hard work and you can, can find yourself under like a mountain of papers that you're super behind with um, and sitting in meetings and answering emails that that's a lot of hard work. Uh, but the things that they don't teach you about in your teacher prep classes at the college level, that's what makes it truly hard is that, you know, every teacher I think has experienced the loss of a student at some point. Um, every teacher has experienced having a student in their class who uh, is suffering tremendous trauma as a result of family loss, um, grief, uh, poverty. Um, and so not just these like acute examples of trauma, like they were in a bad car accident, but those ongoing sort of chronic pieces of trauma like food insecurity. Right. And as teachers, we spend so much time with our kids. We, we hopefully learn a ton about them through the relationships we're able to build. You know, as an English teacher, students do so much writing in my class and they write about their lives. And so I, I get to know what their home life is like, not just from talking to them, but from, from reading their writing. And that's a lot to carry at the end of each day. Um, and then, you know, just like any other job too, we're sharing that stress with our colleagues and we're shouldering the weight of, of how our colleagues feel. Um, and I think that's something that's become a lot tougher with the pandemic is that, uh, you know, secondary traumatic stress is like I absorb and feel some of that stress as a result of the trauma my students have experienced. But with the pandemic, we are all experiencing this communal trauma <laughs> Um, and, and it's hard to be like the strong support system for students when we're struggling ourselves. You know, we have teachers who have lost loved ones to the pandemic, teachers who have fallen ill with COVID, um, or live in fear every day of, of getting sick and bringing that home to immunocompromised family members. You know, we worry about the students who are in our care. Um, we worry about with the shutdown, are our students being fed if they're not coming to school where they get lunch every day. Um, and so it's just really, I think, increased the level of anxiety that we have uh, as it relates to ourselves and to our students. And for that to be something that's ongoing for now over a year, that's really hard. Yeah, that that is really hard. You know, and I think you bring up a good point when you say, you know, teachers themselves are dealing with the loss of just family members. And for example, in my district, you know, since the pandemic started, we've lost three staff members, you know, in addition to numerous other community members, coaches, and just people who are generally there 
you know, a couple weeks ago, I went to a football game at my old high school that I that I used to coach and teach at. And, you know, I was like, something's missing. And then about halfway through the first quarter, we realized it's Coach Givens. You know, he's one of those big supporters of the team and of the students. And he was one of the first in our community to pass from COVID. And so that, like, brought a sense of we're at the game, we're having fun. But it just was this giant cloud over the game right. once we realized coach isn't there anymore and so and it was just something where we should have been celebrating the kids are back on the field the bands are going this is a normal afternoon but then we thought about the people who aren't there that would normally be there and it was just a real hard moment especially for the teachers and then the kids when they realized hey we miss coaches yell and those types of things that kept us going you know so those are the hard things to deal with right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that we feel those losses really potently in moments like that. Um, and going back to those sort of like professional tasks that we've always like, sort of like, you know, put the blame on of like, uh, teaching's hard, you have to deal with grading and meetings and emails and lesson planning and parents and all that stuff. And, and all of that has become more too. You know, we, yes, yes. in our building, I mean, just yesterday, we had 18 people out without a substitute. Oh, wow. Like, that came out to, like, 96 individual class periods that needed coverage. And so, like, that meant that the other teachers, the other staff in our building now have to, like, you know, help carry the weight and and give up plan time to do that. And that's, you know, every single day um, is is what we're facing because we have a sub shortage, most of our substitute teachers are, you know, in in a an older age category. They're retirees, and and they don't feel safe coming into our school communities to substitute for fear of catching the virus and getting sick. I was just saying that that's a lot. I don't think people realize that that when people are taken out when they're quarantining, there's no one to fill those spots. I mean, I'm literally on the college campuses in the commons putting up flyers that my division needs substitutes trying to get college students to come and help. And so I, that's one of those unspoken things, that extra task that really wears on our teachers. Yeah, and you know, the thing that I was going to, you guys know that my entry point into advocacy really was focused on teacher pay coming from Oklahoma, but it's it's interesting how it has shifted so much now. I mean, teacher pay may very much still be a, like a key issue for your state, but the working conditions have overridden much of that, right? I mean, all the things that you just laid out, I mean, it's a tough sell. You know, Ronnie, if you're out, you're selling the profession to prospective educators or folks who are even considering, you're like, hey, look, I mean, <laughs> even if the pay were in place, you've got all this other stuff. And so, Sydney, you know, we, we got you in here because I'm wondering a bit about have you seen from a policy perspective things put in place that can support teacher wellness um, from from legislators or from legislative bodies? For sure. So here in our district, and, and I work um, in the second largest school district in the state, uh, we have over 45,000 students. Um, uh, we employ a pretty big proportion of our, our city um, in terms of, of working adults. And something that is new as 
a result of the, the pandemic and some of this added pressure to provide these mental wellness supports. I mean, the research is coming out like this is not just something that's anecdotal. There's research to support this. Um, we have a high percentage of teachers reporting, uh, you know, symptoms of clinical depression as a result of their working life. And, and it really is an occupational hazard. Um, and so as a result of that, and I think also as a result of the pandemic, this year is the first year that uh, mental health services are covered as part of our insurance package. Um, prior to that, you know, we had access to um, a few supports, you know, four sessions per year. And, and now we can go out and we can find our own therapy um, and have that filed under our, our health package. And that's great news. Um, I think that that would have been a really solid thing to have pre-pandemic. Um, and now, mm -hmm. as the pressure gets gets harder, we also need some supports that that don't take the extra legwork on the teacher's behalf. You know, like on a personal note, I'm a new mom. I, I have an eight month old. And when I think about, you know, prioritizing my own mental health and wellness, I think to myself, gosh, by the time I get home from work, it's after four o'clock, it's, you know, 4.35, and my daughter goes to bed at seven. <laughs> Can I really spend another hour and 15 minutes driving to a, a therapy session and engaging in that? And I know that that's important for me, but it's also like a hard sacrifice when spending time with family is another really important aspect of self-care. And so I think we need elements that are also just built into our school day, you know, things that districts can do and buildings can do in-house that allow teachers to have that time for self-care. And, and self-care has sort of become like a, a dirty word <laughs> these days because it's misused yeah. so often. Um, but true self-care to be able to connect with other people because that's the essence of, of actual mental wellness supports is connection. And teaching can be really isolating. Um, when, when we think about how much we rely on plan times and that protected lunch time to be able to connect with our colleagues and share some of that weight with one another, and then we're losing that because we need to use that time to class cover to help out, you know, people who are absent. That's what I think we're missing, and and so we've got to find an answer to that so that we can protect that time for people to feel connected. Because that's what's going to keep people in the profession, and it's going to be the thing that keeps it manageable moving forward. Yeah, that those are some great points, and I think to you know just the meetings we've had in, in our central office is how do we get that? You know, we know that these are the answers, and what do we do to get it? You know, yeah, I remember earlier this year, you know, I was on cafeteria duty in some schools just trying to help out the best way that I could. And we have all these pressures coming and mandates with more testing, more this, more that. And everyone's pushing to get back to normal. And it's like, nothing's normal. First of all, normal didn't work from the start, but now nothing's normal. And I, I really like that you said that, said about your district now giving healthcare options because when when I talk to college students, the first thing I tell them when they're out applying for jobs is to know yourself, know there's a teacher shortage, and ask questions. And one of the questions you should ask is does your district's mental 
does your district's health care plan cover mental health? Because it is so important to have that extra time, to have that mental health support. And like you said, you know, sometimes right now self-care has become a bit of a buzzword and a little bit of toxic positivity as a whole. But um, what I'm thinking right now is um, how has your your city, your state handled the COVID crisis? You know, we, we see it all around the country. Some places are just getting it totally wrong. Some places are doing a great job. What exactly is going on in Nebraska? And more important, what's going on in Lincoln, Nebraska? So Nebraska as a whole, um, mm, <laughs> we have some room for improvement. Uh, for a while, our governor decided that we would no longer be reporting our COVID numbers statewide. Um, and so we truly didn't even know how bad it was um, because there were political moves being made to stop us from knowing. Now, here in Lincoln, and especially in Lincoln Public Schools, we're actually really lucky. One of our school board members is a doctor, <laughs> uh, and he um, has some expertise in that that arena of studying viruses. Um, and so every you know month on the at the school board meeting, he actually gives an update, and he posts those updates to YouTube. He'll record weekly COVID updates pertaining to Lincoln, Nebraska, and he's been a really strong advocate for safety protocols. Um, and for me personally, that has given me a, a little bit of an easier time uh, with at least feeling like we've got somebody who really knows what they're talking about and is in our corner to keep us safe. Um, and so we've had a mask mandate in place in our schools um, basically since the second week of school. Uh, he has done a nice job of advocating on behalf of teachers and students, um, and that's been great. Uh, I think that the hardest part, though, is that um, it just feels like there's no end in sight. And that's something that I feel like we're we're still playing this short game. Like, you know, we're putting a lot of Band-Aids on, <laughs> but this is a gaping wound <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and so I think everyone is like, you know, there's this funny saying that I love um, using with my students when, like, we're doing something just awesome in class. It's like, you bought the whole seat, but all you needed was the edge. You know, everybody is, everybody is on the edge of their seats. Like, what are we going to do next? What's next? And I, I just wish that we had a, a longer term plan because uh, the the pandemic has proven that it's not a short term problem. And so what are we going to do in the long term to uh, reassure teachers that it will get better? Because otherwise, I worry that we're going to have this sort of mass exodus from the profession. Um, and in some ways, we've already seen that starting. You know, we're seeing people choose to retire early. We're seeing people choose maybe not to join the profession. They're not um, selecting that as their as their major in undergrad. And, you know, I hear whispers and I worry that people aren't seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. They're not seeing a, a pathway to it getting better. Um, and if we don't give that pathway and provide that reassurance, I think we're going to be in a lot of trouble. I want to say, like, so here in Texas, you know, we're, we're still dealing with some appropriations on what to do, how to, like, spend some federal dollars that were unallocated. 
And I wanted to highlight, like, one of the things that I'm excited about is that in one of the appropriation bills, um, they want to use some of the funds to direct to cover COVID-related, like, healthcare expenses, right? So if you were hospitalized maybe for that's awesome. a certain period of time, like, that's a, that's a thing that you can put into you know, legislature or into legislatures to say like, Hey, here's how, here's one way that we can kind of alleviate some of the things. Cause I, I, I wonder a bit about like the impact, you know, you talked about the, the impact of healthcare, but just like the actual, the actual cost, like the actual monetary figure that some people are, are racking up. You know, we had a, we had an administrator who had to be flown uh, to Oklahoma um, because uh, there, the capacity wasn't in place for where we are. Uh, and so, like, I wonder how that, like, medical, what that copay looked like. Um, right. And so, you, I think that's it's a really interesting question to pose. Like, what is the, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, Rodney, where do you land on that? Like, if 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 that's the question before us, I think right now, what the light is. I don't think the. I put it this way: the light is there. But it's going to go dark in two years when that federal money runs out because we're using a, you know, in my district alone, we're using federal money to fill a lot of gaps, Mm -hmm. you know. And and one thing we're trying not to do is we're not trying to use this money for positions because we know in two years when that money runs out, the last thing we want to do is to let go 10 to 15 percent of our workforce. And so... I really think what we have to do is we have to hold the federal government. Like that shouldn't just be a one-time expenditure into education. That should be the standard. You know, right. that money that districts are getting, that should be the standard. You know, so we should be able to pay subs- long-term substitutes. We should be able to afford health care and benefits to try to get more of them to come into the profession because we say we need substitutes. Well, substitutes don't come with health benefits. And so we're asking people to walk into an environment where there's a high likelihood that they're going to get sick, but they don't have health care. And so we really need to start looking at what are we using the money for and how can we sustain that once, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel? Because once we get to the end of the tunnel, my, my, my fear is that there's a cliff and we can't see it right now because we're blinded by the light of all this extra money. And so once we get to that end of that money, we're just going to fall off a fiscal cliff and we're just going to be right back where we were in 2008, 2009, when the Great Recession hit. And then... You know, we're going to start asking teachers to take pay cut and take on more duties. Furlough. And, and, yeah. yeah. And we're at, no, that can't happen. We can't go back to that anymore. And so I'm, I'm just really nervous as to what's going to happen once this federal money goes away, because it's being it's being spent to to plug the holes in the ship. You know, it's not being spent to rebuild the whole new bottom of the ship. We're plugging holes with this money. <laughs> yeah, we're band-aiding. <laughs> we're still acting it's, like this is a short-term problem. It's been over a year. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me let me ask this then. If 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 Rodney is is post you know posing just kind of the not doom and gloom, but just a very bleak outlook. And Sydney, he has cited that you have in fact talked him off the ledge. Sydney, to our listeners, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I know we have levity about it right now, but 
Look, to the listeners, I mean, this, Sydney, this is why we wanted you on here. Like, if you, if we've got folks that are dialing in that are saying, like, look, it's October. I don't think I'm going to make it to December. Like, I may not return after the holiday break. And I, that's a very real, like, scenario for a lot of for sure. school districts. What I got like, three emails what knowledge? today that said that same thing. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I mean. Not cutting you off. I got three emails today that said that same thing. I don't think I'm coming back after the first quarter. You know, yeah. so look, Sydney. I know you're not a magician, uh, but what's what's your advice? I mean, what do you have for them, though? Something that's been really helpful for me because, like, you know, we can we can control our own selves more than we can control what our building does, what our district does, what our state, what our federal government does. Um, one thing that's been really helpful for me, and I think especially in light of the pandemic, has been to sit down and physically write down commitments that I want to make to myself and to my family and commitments that I make to my students and my school community. Um, and by physically writing those down and like posting it up by my desk at school, that has helped me to like stay centered and grounded in the things that are going to maintain my sanity <laughs> through the end of the year and remind me why I love what I do. And so those are things like taking time with my husband and my daughter to take our dog on a walk every day and talk about our days. You know, that's a commitment I have to myself and my family. Logging off at 4.30 and going home no matter what so that I have time with my family before bedtime. You know, and commitments I make to my students and my school community, it's like, you know, making sure I get back to parents and families within 24 hours, doing 15 minutes a day of, like, self-curated professional learning. Like, those are the things that I want to commit to as a professional and for my teaching practice. And, you know, if something doesn't fall on those commitments and I'm having to ask myself, like, do I stay or do I go home? The answer is I go home to my family. And I think that that's something that, like, you know, teachers are being reminded that that we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of other people. And so, like, that to me is definitely something that you can do moving forward. Um, as far as things that, like, building wide initiatives and stuff, I think that there are people out there who have such great ideas, and it comes back to what Rodney was talking about and what you were talking about, Sean, which is compensation. You got to pay your people in your building who are going to help lead those initiatives um, to be able to, to give them the adequate compensation for their time and effort and ideas that they're putting in to build those connections within the school community. Um, because I think like that really is the foundation. That's what's going to keep people around even in those tough times is feeling like they're connected to that school community, connected to their colleagues, collect, connected to their students. You know, that's the stuff that's going to remind them why they come in every day. See, that's why she she helped me keep my sanity. Just tons of great ideas to keep to keep everyone from going off the ledge. We're not even talking about the space camp thing. That's a little inside joke between me and Sydney. Ooh, yes. The, See, the, most the, of the, the talking off the ledge are not words we can be saying on the radio. <laughs> but yeah, there was a space camp incident <laughs> where I just had enough of everything in Sydney pulled me back from everything you know and it was just one of those moments where we had but that was just that calming voice that's why that ted talk has 2.6 million views because she has great ideas and you know one of the great ideas that i always tell teachers you know and this may you know sometimes it gets me in trouble i was like know your pay scale and know the responsibilities you know it was a lot of times when people ask me questions when i was a teacher I would say, I'm sorry, that's a 120 pay scale 124 question. 
Meaning that's for the principal to decide. That's not me. You know, I'm a teacher. I'm down here at 116, 117. You know, that that 50,000 bucks isn't enough for me to answer that question. Let's go to the people that make in the 90 and the 100. They're the mm-hmm. ones that getting that extra compensation to answer that question. But really, this is about compartmentalizing and saying that is a question where as a teacher, I, I mean, as teachers, we love to solve problems. We, we love to be there to solve everything for everyone. But sometimes, hey, I don't have the answer to that. And I don't get paid enough to give the answer to that. So let's go to the people who are being properly compensated and the people whose job it is to handle that, you know? And so, you know, as we come to this... And reminding yourself, like, yeah, it's not... You don't have to be the hero every day. You know, like, sort of giving yourself permission to say, I don't have the capacity to, like, help everybody today. Like I'm doing enough I can do to get in this building and help my kids and, and get through it. And that's okay. And that's enough. Exactly. You're not, it's it's not Superman. You're not Superman every day. You're not Superwoman. No, some days it's okay to be Clark Kent and work at the daily bugle, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we, as we come up, Oh, so go ahead, Sean. I just wanted to chime in for anybody, you know, for, for all the non-educators that are listening. So, you know, McDonald's, the time of our recording, not by the time the publish, it'll be long overdue, but at the time of our recording, you know, McDonald's has given out the free breakfast to educators and it's, you know, it's kind of a goofy thing, but it's, I'm grateful that businesses and, and non-educated, like non-educator groups are doing what they can to kind of chip away at it, right? Like those little things can make all the difference uh, in in the morale. Because my thing is that I'm tracking teacher morale and morale's at an all-time low. And so we appreciate those small gestures. And I know that we have administrators that are like, you know, just trying to spoil their faculty, doing everything they can. Because if you're a principal right now, like trying to hold down the fort, amid kids still like just doing the goofy crap that they're doing on TikTok and like it's the struggle is real like i mean i don't want to sleep on the administrators that are having to still like yes deal with deal with all of it on top of maybe a half dozen teachers like hey look can't come in today you know and you're like okay like here we go because the kids are still here i'm not busting them back home so you know yeah that that grace for everybody in the building is everything and if you're an outsider looking in it's all hands on deck and we need you involved in this in any way shape or form and that chick-fil-a biscuit in the morning might make all the difference like don't don't hint, underestimate hint Chick-fil-A. that uh-huh. <laughs> you know Chick-fil-A, yes and hint, hint those huge corporations make sure you give your workers bonuses for doing these Star- nice things starbucks and and out ten thousand free meals a day <laughs> amazon um i'm just naming as many businesses i can think yes. of right now but seriously uh Go substitute. Violent, go substitute. Seriously. I, and doesn't matter what district or where you know. If you say, I want to substitute, you will have placement immediately, no matter where you are in America, because we need subs. We need bus drivers. We need every. This is a all hands on deck, almost national, emer- national emergency right now. And so if you want to help out, no matter what you want to do, it will be accepted. And so as we come to a close, and it's, it's homework time, yes. you know, it's time for you to give our listeners, as any good teacher does, 
to give our listeners a little bit of homework to do after they listen to this podcast. So, so what is our assignment for today? So the, uh, the assignment for tonight is to show up for your colleagues. Um, you know, we'll, we talked about administrators. They're doing the best that they can. You know, so many people are doing the best they can to advocate for added supports and federal funding and state funding for better supports for teacher mental wellness. But a thing that you can do when you walk into your building tomorrow is you can show up for your colleagues uh, and you can play the short game of checking in on each other and making space to share stories. And so the challenge for you tomorrow is to write a note to a colleague telling them that you notice the hard work that they put in and the difference that they make. Because it's those little pick-me-ups, those little cards that we can put in our rainy day folder so that on those days when we want to submit our resignation and say, I'm not coming back after quarter one, we can open that folder up and remind ourselves of, of all of the good that we're doing in our classrooms and in our communities through our work. I love that homework assignment. You know, I still have some notes in my lunchbox that stay in there. They're from 2016 from my year. And that's that gives me the boost when I need it. So for our for our for our listeners, we also we have the homework assignment and we have extra credit. Now the extra credit is just for for our Lincoln listeners, our Nebraska link the uh, listeners, like folks in your circle, Sydney. What is that extra credit assignment? The extra credit is please go out there and get vaccinated. Um, get that booster shot if you're eligible for that. Uh, the pandemic has added so much more trauma and stress to our communities, and teachers have been on the front lines of that. Um, having COVID protocols in place, you know, even though they keep us safe and we're grateful for that, it also means fewer smiles from students, and those are things that feed our souls as teachers. Uh, it means added anxiety, you know, with bleaching every desk in between every class period and going and get reg getting regular COVID tests and teachers just being stretched beyond their limits to help class cover when there are no subs. And so encourage people to get vaccinated to help our students and our teachers reclaim the joy of teaching and learning by ending the pandemic. I'm. Yeah, get get vaccinated, get that booster. You know, I walked into get that Walgreens. gift card. Yes, <laughs> like yes. in exchange for doing it. Yes, you know, just at Walgreens accepting walk-ins. I literally walked in off the street and said, "Hey, I'm an educator. Can I get a booster?" And they said, "Sure." And I within the what the 15 minute wait period you have to wait, I was done. And so just go out there, take care of community because we really have to get out of this pandemic by working together, you know, show up for your colleagues, get that, get that booster shot. And so, you know, we want to continue this conversation. If you want to continue it, of course, you can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter at Teachers Caucus. We're also on Facebook at the Teachers Caucus. Or if you want to drop us a note, just go to TeachersCaucus.com and you can send us an email, send us a message and keep this conversation going. And so I want to thank, of course, my co-host, Sean Sheehan, as usual, and the wonderful, wonderful 2019 Nebraska Teacher of the Year, Miss Sydney Jensen. Please, please hug and kiss my niece for me. I, sure I call, will. I, I, call, I call her my niece because, you know, she, 
We, you know, I, I actually sent her some text. We talk, talked her down, talked her from biting Mike's head off when she was yep. pregnant. You know, so we, yes. that's, that is my niece and I'm claiming her. Sometimes um, the only thing getting me through the week are TikToks from TikToks. Rodney. So. <laughs> yes. I get, yes. A, I get a little text message with a TikTok and I tell, I tell Gloria, I'm like, ooh, Uncle Rodney sent us a TikTok. Let's see what we got. <laughs> Yes, and like you, like she said, remember to show up for your colleagues, show up for your students, but just be there, be supportive, and always give grace. And so with that, we like to remind you to just please check in on social media. And as usual, this meeting of the Teachers Caucus is now closed.